Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right, welcome to Plan for Life Now. I am your host, or one of your hosts, Steve Killiani. Oh my Sorry, God, Dave. I thought you were hijacking. I <laughs> didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you were going to say Dave's your, what, semi-co-host. No, no sidekicks. That's all right. No sidekicks here. I hijacked the, pod, the podcast, and I don't mind taking a back seat. I am one of your hosts. That's what there I should have go. said. Um, so, what do we have planned for today? I wanted to talk about Warren Buffett's annual shareholder letter. Yeah, that's always fun. And you wanted to talk about uh, just kind of an update on long term care. Yeah, long term care and long term care, which we haven't talked about in months. Just haven't gotten it's around been a to while, it. So yeah. we'll update and we'll what chat you, about that a little. What do you want to tackle first? Uh, let's do the Warren Buffett stuff okay. first. All right. So those of you who pay attention to this stuff, you might have noticed that last week Warren Buffett put out his annual shareholder letter, and in the investing community, and it's by the way, it's okay if you don't pay attention to this. You don't have to, but in the investing community, this is a a little bit of a, a national holiday, right? right. I mean, this is a a day where everybody stops. You got to read the letter. Oh, it's so cool! He's got all this wisdom, and you know anybody has to be impressed with Warren Buffett, not just for the phenomenal success he's had, but also I just enjoy the sort of down to earth, folksy way that he explains things that appear to most people to be very complex, you know, financial instruments or financial dealings. And he's got, you know, kind of common sense, easy, folksy ways of explaining things. So uh, a couple of excerpts that I took from this and uh, I I kind of really just made one big one. Um, So Warren Buffett is sort of the eternal bull you know, he, he's always very optimistic about the future of America. Um, he's always very optimistic about the future of capitalism. You know, he'll routinely say, listen, you give me a basket of securities of stocks, and I think they're going to be worth more in the future than they're worth now. Right. Which is probably why he's very good at not just saying buy low, but he buys stuff low. That other people, like the Great Recession. Oh, yeah. He's like, so he, he basically getting, practices what he preaches. You're getting ahead of... Uh, <laughs> oh, really? You're I, getting to the next I don't thing. even know the information. I'm just okay. letting you give me the... Well, it's not like we planned this. I'm just like... <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's obviously kind of a long um, you know letter, and it's got a lot of good stuff in it. But my one big takeaway is, you know, he starts with this forecast, you know, of basically, hey, people are not real sure on what's going on out there. You know, pr- the political situation, you know, some uncertainty. But the long-term forecast for U.S. stocks, he feels very good about, right? So he right. he always starts with that, and then he talks about 
listen, we are going to have a market correction, a market crash. Let me try to find the exact words here. Um, you know, he, he says that we are going to have big drops can and almost certainly will happen. Um, the years ahead will occasionally deliver major market declines, even panics that will affect virtually all stocks. No one can tell you when these traumas will occur. Now, right on there, brother. <laughs> as a side note, he spends a good bit of time, um, just, <laughs> you know, putting down, I don't want to say making fun of, cause that's not his personality. He's, you know, too nice for that. But these people that, that, spend all their time and energy telling you when the stock market's going to correct. And, you know, I don't think anyone would argue that he is one of, if not the, smartest investor out there. And he's just coming out and saying it. Listen, we can't do it. We can't predict when the market's going to go down. It doesn't work like that. Right. Yet, so many people, and I don't just mean advisors, I just mean regular people and financial gurus always try to predict this or always feel like now is the time. Oh, this is happening and we are doomed. Some people don't do anything about it. You know, really most people a lot of times in their predictions don't do much. We're doomed. <laughs> Trump's elected. We're doomed. The stock market's going to crash, but what can I do about it? Right. Which was a lot smarter than if you didn't like Trump, Trump's elected. <laughs> I'm taking everything. all my money and putting it in cash. Right. You would have been destroyed. But, but yeah, these, uh, you have no idea. We have no idea what, when this is going to happen mm-hmm. or how, what's going to be the, you know, the trigger to, to a downturn. But we do know that the stock market will not just go up exponentially. It, in forever, fact, straight up. I just came across this other statistic today, Dave, that I want to start using in a lot of our meetings. Um, and it's just a slide that shows the longest periods of time without a negative return, the longest consecutive number of years without a negative uh, return in the S&P 500. Wow, that's right? interesting. And we are now tied for it? the second longest, right? So the longest was in the 90s. Okay, I was going to guess it was that period of time around. I don't know when it started. I'm going to guess around when Clinton was first elected to about 1999 or 2000, yeah. something like that. I don't have it in front of me. All here, right, well, don't yeah, worry about it. But right. yeah, but um, we're getting awfully close to any record like that. Yeah. So if 2017 goes, goes, uh, all positive, then we would tie the longest record. Now, <laughs> I don't think even the most optimistic investors out there think that the market just goes up forever. So just sort of a side note, something I came across. So the big thing that I wanted to uh, take away from Warren Buffett's, this was uh, his annual shareholder letter, is what to do if the market crashes, right? Yeah. I think that's pretty good advice, and we're all worried about that happening. Certainly, if you're in retirement or approaching retirement, that could spell disaster if you're not prepared for it. Um, and I love his two very simple, very easy things. Widespread fear is your friend. As an investor, you should love it when virtually all stocks are falling. Right Now, that's great to write that right now when we're going on eight plus years of stocks going up. Um, it's not so easy to do in the in the heat of the moment. So I understand that 
people can read that and nod their head and go, yeah, of course. So why, you know, everybody else is scared. I'm going to be that, that one buying. Right. Not so easy in the real term. Sure isn't. Um, and that's, you know, sort of goes hand in hand with his next point, which is personal fear. However, is your enemy. Not only that, it's completely unnecessary. Um, and this is really when he, you know, during those times tries to paint this broader picture of, listen, things might be bad right now, but if you believe that capitalism will survive and you've got a well-diversified portfolio, eventually these companies will continue to grow and produce earnings. And that's, you know, right. that's something that long-term you right. can count. And that's what we do. Well, with, if you're listening and you're one of our clients, or even if you're just listening, you know, mm-hmm. we work with people in their fifties and sixties, usually when we meet them. And, you know, the one thing that's not an answer to that, that's exactly right. Warren Buffett's totally the perfect psychologist for the, but if you have to withdraw money to live off of during a downturn, then that answer just doesn't work as well. True. So you need to prepare for, especially those of you who only have social security to rely on. Um, or a small pension in Social Security, you need to make sure that you're organized for income so that when you can live by Warren Buffett's decree yep. when things are really down. But ultimately, I think you would agree with me that we're like Warren Buffett. We agree that, you know, uh, things are going to go down and that's not the end of the world because ultimately that's the way it works. And as long as you don't have to sell low, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're in the right place. One other thing, and you know, the perfect example of that, if everyone remembers back in 2008, 2009, when everything was melting down and crashing, and Warren Buffett made a huge investment in an investment bank, Goldman Sachs, and obviously that paid off, you know, tremendously for him. But at the time, people were going, "Whoa, what is he doing?" I mean, you know, investment banking of all industries, that's getting killed right now. And he took that long-term view and. I mean, I'm sure he's done that hundreds of times in his career, but he took that long-term view and it, it paid off big time. Um, one other thing of the many, many things that he wrote about in his letter is uh, he made a comment that I've often made, or at least thought, um, which is, I cannot see why anyone in their right mind would buy a 30-year bond right now, right? Right. And, you know, his point is, we're sitting here since 1982 to now, interest rates have been declining, right? And maybe you believe, oh, interest rates are going to go back down a little bit. And sure, I guess that's possible. But we're in a long-term cycle of interest rates rising. And although bonds still hold a, a very important part in your portfolio, long-term bonds, probably not the best place to be invested. Right. So, I think that's one thing about the... The financial consumer needs to get, needs, should be a little more educated on bonds in general. Short duration versus long duration and what their purpose is in a plan as opposed, it's one of those things I find to be dangerous when you just generalize bonds are bad. That's a good point. Cause but bonds are, bonds are bad because stocks are doing good. Right. <laughs> well, that's a good point. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that the bond market is 10 times larger than the stock market. I mean, you, you turn on, you know, WTOP around here and you hear, you know, Dow Jones Industrial Average up 300 points, blah, blah, blah. You rarely hear much about the bonds. Maybe they'll throw in the 10 year right. yield is a little Unless change. you listen to the highly rated Bloomberg network. 
<laughs> whose current share, I believe, is Dave and Steve. Yeah. I like that station. I, Dave, have you heard that Bluebird Network? I go, yeah, it's pretty. Oh, I, you're, this is you. I listen to it all the time. I go, yeah, they're they're not even on the ratings. Because I look at the DC radio ratings. Remember, we used to have the show. Right. They're not on. The no. station is lit. There's 39 stations. It's not one of them. That hurts me. You know what? I you know that means we'll always have a job, Steve. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, not too many people listen to that, but the the whole point is people have this grasp of oh yeah, I get stocks. They make money, they go up, right? Companies, the earnings are good, they go up, but bonds are sort of murky. I don't quite get it. A government bond, a corporate bond, a junk bond. A, what does all this mean? Short duration, long duration, You know, global bonds. God forbid you talk about all of that. It is a little bit more confusing. Yeah. So, so. All right. Let's shift gears off of Warren Buffett's letter and dedicate a few minutes here to talking about long-term care insurance. Yeah. Well, I guess I wanted to talk about this because we haven't talked about it in a while. Last time we had this chat was probably around when John Hancock went out of the selling long-term care insurance game. That was a big one, yeah. That was around the summer. I mean, we must have talked about since then. I don't keep track. Uh, You're the guy who runs all the podcasts, and I see that they're listed on the website. I literally have no idea. Once once we're done doing this recording, it all goes away for me. I thought that was like in December we talked about it in I November. Don't I'll pull it up while you're talking. But the bottom line is, it's always good since we focus a lot on it. And you know, why do we focus on it? Because when you're our clientele, and quite frankly, if you're 35 years old listening to this, we appreciate it, but you're not really our clientele at Capital Retirement Strategies. So first of all, we did talk on December 15th. We talked about you being interviewed in the New York Times. Oh, that's so that right. was that's right. the last time, but. Keep going. I'll okay. find out when so, John. But a lot Hancock. of our clients. I mean, we, we do have a few younger clients, but a lot of our clients are in their fifties and sixties. And and when you are looking at what can destroy you, remember you. What you always want to do. Back to what we were talking about with Warren Buffett. You always want to be able to say when stocks are down and things are really poor financially, and that's when you're gonna. If you're a normal human being, you're gonna worry. You want to be able to take notes to yourself or be able to give yourself a pep talk that says, I'm okay. One way you're okay is to make sure you have enough income in retirement because mm-hmm. then you don't have to sell the stocks when they're low to produce income. Yeah. I mean, that's the classic case of somebody's got that nice big pension and they can say, ah, eh, stocks are up, down, sideways, whatever. Doesn't really matter because I've got the pension. Now, another thing you're going to say to yourself is, gee, if I die, is my wife okay? Or vice versa, if she dies, am I okay? Right. Um, for many people, that checklist is pretty set financially because even without, you're 65 years old without life insurance anymore, maybe the terms ran out, you could still say, I'm dead, my wife has X amount coming in and these assets are now hers or vice versa and you're okay. But long-term care, <laughs> which is becoming more and more every year exponentially a big issue because when you need to go to assisted living, and you didn't even think too much about it. You certainly knew assisted living existed, but now you need to go there because you have Alzheimer's or dementia or you had a stroke or you're just 81 and can't help yourself anymore or you need home care. And you're looking at these costs of, like my mother-in-law, $120,000 this year. is her fourth year. Now that is something that you have a problem. Back to Warren. Now you got to take, Warren doesn't need it, by the way, with his net worth, (laughs) but now you have a game plan that's set up, and even for those who have millions of dollars, it's somewhat fragile, and part of it's 
contributing to your income and you start taking those numbers off at 120,000 a year, you're, you could potentially really be destroying the financial yeah. plan. Well, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of people, they, they sort of have this instinct that, Hey, I'm getting closer to retirement. The kids are out of the house. We, we dropped our life insurance last year. Do you think that was a good idea? And I mean, a lot of time people say this to us when it's a first meeting and we're just eyeballing, just ballparking all their numbers and saying, you know what? On the surface, it, it looks fine because if one of the other of you, husband and wife, one of the other of you is not around, there's really not a need for the life insurance. <laughs> the problem is, what if you are around? And what if it is going on at 120000 a year and then the other person's still healthy? Right. You, your mother-in-law is you know, an example where your, your father-in-law passed away right before she went into care, right, right around yep. the same time. Um, you know, so in this case, it's preserving the estate to pass on. But if your father-in-law was still alive, he'd be watching his assets drain down and he might be perfectly healthy. Yeah. And even in passing, I mean, their goal, my in-law's goal was to, they really wanted to leave as much money as they could for their kids, my wife and my brother-in-law. And that goal is really being achieved ultimately by the long-term care insurance. I mean, I think maybe my mother-in-law's estate could have withstood what's going on, but it would have been completely wiped out versus all being there. Yeah, it could have withstood it, but then the goal of passing on any assets Forget would it. have been gone. And there would have been a danger of having to dip into our own, which think right. about why that's – you don't A, you don't want your children to have to do that. And B, I mean, I'm, I'm, to be perfectly honest, as an in-law, you know, I'd look at my own assets and say, wow, I now have to start paying. Think about that with your own in- son-in-law, daughter-in-law, stuff like that. You don't even want to go there to be in that situation either. So that's sort of what's going on. But within all of that, with so many people needing long-term care, which is what we talked about months ago. You know, when I started doing this in 1998, there were about licensed in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, choices of companies that sold long-term care insurance. I probably had like between 20 and 30 choices of decent companies that sold it. Now there's right. a couple, couple major players left. As we talked about John Hancock leaving the selling game. That was and remember, bad. when your company leaves the selling game, your policy's still good, if you're wondering. In fact, it's great. They're just not selling it anymore. They don't want to take the risk of selling. They have to honor. All long-term care insurance policies are called guaranteed renewable. It can never be canceled, and I don't feel like going down tangent road as to the safety of these. We've talked about that numerous times. So, but it's really just about less choices, but you know, there's still choices. And well, I mean, yeah. because when you first got into this business, that's when long-term care insurance was really starting to hit the mainstream. I mean, they had essentially made these policies what you call tax qualified, which right. just means you get the benefits out without paying taxes. And so all of these insurance companies, they saw this new potential source of revenue, right? Oh, this great new line of business. You know, for the last 200 years, all we've been selling is life insurance, annuities, and disability insurance. Wow, we've got this brand new thing here. We're going to make all this money on it. Well, as a lot of you listening know, they made a lot of mistakes in pricing the products. And now you've kind of whittled it down to there's only a couple of companies that, you know, understand the business and are committed to it and have priced it correctly now, hopefully, um, to be able to, to still be viable right. in it. Right. Now, the other products that are out there that I think are going to grow are the hybrid products, 
which combine basically hmm. long-term care benefits and life insurance. Have we seen any other big play? I mean, I mean, I know there's a couple of big players in that space. Yeah. Have we seen any more started to get into it? Not really, but if someone's got into it, and I'm not familiar with their product. That means they're just starting and maybe it will become a, it's just the way the insurance is going because, right. and I don't want to get all technical about it, but when you, when you combine the life insurance with the long-term care, there's an actual actuarial way to basically use the death benefit as the, as paying for the beginning of your benefit for right. long-term care. It's a death benefit they would have had to pay out anyway in a whole life chassis. Mm-hmm. So it is really a actuarial better way to predict how much you're going to have to pay out as an insurance company. It's not better for you in most cases, not all, in most cases, it's not better for you than the traditional products. So if you're listening to this and you already have long, and many people already have the insurance who are listening to this, no, do not, not sit not there, replace don't let them. anyone try to sell you something to replace what you currently have right. in what what's called traditional long-term care insurance because we've always said this. Once you get a product, it's based on the price is based on your current age, your current health, whatever plan you pick, and those design, those a la carte design elements, and it's never getting better or cheaper yeah. as the years go on. Right. Even with price raises on the current class, it's always you're always better off what you have, and hopefully you did it the right way. So that's sort of just an update on it. But I'd also like to say this is a challenge now hmm. for the thousands of okay seventy five listeners that we have. <laughs> Because I like a hundred, one of thousands or seventy seven. But you know, ultimately, go out there. I'd love to see advocates because that's what we need more than anything is advocates besides Dave and Steve for long term care insurance. It's a great thing that you want to flaunt knowledge because you have nothing better to do at your dinner. You're going dinner Friday and Saturday with friends or out. You start up a conversation of long-term care insurance. You let your friend tell them, I don't think I need it. It's stupid. I don't want to deal with it. Take me out of the back and shoot me. I heard it's too expensive. Right. And then with the knowledge you have, because you listen to this podcast, and I know mm-hmm. you know something about it, you can actually tell them, oh, it's something, a lot of you have it, <laughs> and it makes sense. And you should look into it, and here's why. And then you don't say that Dave says this in a podcast. You, you flaunt the knowledge yourself. All so right. you sound <laughs> like you know what you're talking about. And A, you're helping educate people who then should probably get long-term care insurance. And B, you just look smart. <laughs> you look like, geez, what's this guy doing? Wow. What's this person doing being educated on stuff like long-term care insurance? This is advice for life. This is good stuff. All right. Thanks for listening. We will check back in with you next week. 